you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Indians fans, and maybe other fans. I am told occasionally fans from other fan bases like to listen to the show. Uh, I want to thank anyone who listens, but mostly, let's be honest, we're about 95% Indians fans out there listening. Uh, I was trying to think I had someone, a Giants fan, tell me recently uh, that they listen because they enjoy uh, some of my different approaches to things. So thank you. Uh, Thank you to everyone who recently had some kind words on Twitter. I expressed my own frustrations with uh, life as it were, uh, on there. And, uh, a lot of kind people step forward, which is one of the things like I, for those who don't know, if this is your first show, bad lead in, right? I am Jeff Ellis, host of Locked On Indians since its beginning, its inception, really. Before that, I was at 24 seven until they got rid of baseball. And before that I was at Scout before they went bankrupt and were bought by CBS, uh, who also owned 24 seven. Before that, it was an Indians baseball insider. And, you know, if there's a Cleveland sports blog, I appeared on it in some way, shape, or form through my draft and prospect coverage throughout the years. Uh, I often hear from the other hosts uh, some of those, like the nastiness they get from people. They get a lot of nastiness. Uh, I've had one person be cruel or intentionally mean uh, in an iTunes review, and that is as bad as it's gotten. For the most part, you as a listener base are utterly fantastic and amazing, and I just want to thank you for that. I, I don't have to deal with the blowback that a lot of other people do. Uh and I'm just going to say it's uh, Cleveland fans being kind. So we had a pair of doubleheaders today. Uh, we'll get into both of those. We'll discuss a old friend alert who is now going to be helping a rival. Uh, and we'll kind of go from there. We're going to talk, um, too, about postseason uh, and about how American League versus National League is incredibly unfair now for multiple years in a row and I'll explain that all a little bit more in a bit let's start with game one so this was a game that uh, did not go well almost from the start uh, White Sox get seven in the first two innings and that's that's all they wrote they didn't get uh, any more runs after that the Indians only got two runs throughout the course of the game both on solo shots Austin Hedges ninth Bobby Bradley's 15th. Uh, there were some more extra base hits with Reyes and Zimmer both getting doubles. Uh, you go through on the other side. Reynaldo Lopez didn't have a particularly grand start. Didn't have a bad start either, though. It was just a short start. They kind of went to their pen quickly. Uh, he also... no. And then you go down the line, and man, Craig Kimbrell. I talked about him in depth on yesterday's show. And do you see what I'm saying now? Do you see why I talked about the reason why that trade is looking like one of the worst ones that happened at the deadline? Uh, Yeah, I know he didn't give up a run when he came in, but I mean, I'm trying to pull up the exact set of plays. Uh, So Zimmer gets hit by a pitch. Then he gets caught stealing, which is unfortunate because then you get a J-Ram walk and then... Uh, Reyes grounds out. Then you get a Bobby Bradley walk. And then Chang grounds out the shortstop. You had two walks and a hit batter in that inning. And uh, to some degree, they the fact the Indians got three guys on base and couldn't get anything done is sad. But, I mean, it's not like 
again, that, that's not a good outing. <laughs> yes, he went one inning and didn't give up an earned run, but two walks and a hit batter, that's that's not what you want to see if you're a White Sox fan hoping for more there. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, I also talked about his struggles of late. So of course, in the first game, he goes three for three. That's just the way it works. He's going to uh, uh, gear up against his whole team, and then uh, I'll make a, a statement. So uh, I just got to look uh, false. Savali, one and two-thirds innings, seven runs on seven hits, two walks, three strikeouts, and four home runs. He had He recorded five outs. And gave up four home runs. Ugh. Uh, not ideal. Uh, then Mejia came out of the pen. It's hard to believe his ER. Like, I, I'm not one to sit back and be like, Mejia has been fantastic. But I didn't think he's as bad as having, with all the innings he's pitched, still having an ERA over eight. He pitches two and a third, gives up two hits, strikes out one. Logan Allen comes out of the pen uh, after his start on uh, yesterday was canceled due to rain. And he pitches two innings, two hits, one walk, four strikeouts. And then you get Francisco Perez in there for one inning with the two strikeouts. Uh, Who reached base twice in this one, you might wonder? Well, I have the answer there for you. It's Bobby Bradley and Bradley Zimmer. Uh, Bradley Zimmer had a double and he was hit by a pitch. Bobby Bradley had a walk and a home run in terms of just the outcomes and the potentiality. Williams had six hits, two walks, and the hit batter. That gives him nine opportunities. Two runs on nine, uh, less than ideal. They should be probably a little bit higher, closer to three, maybe four if you're lucky. Uh, the White Sox on the other side of things had uh, three walks and 11 hits. That's 14 opportunities. And uh, one hit batter, so that's 15 opportunities. And they got seven runs. And again, we've talked about this many times. When it is closer to 50%, uh, it's lots of home runs, and that's that's this game. The, the White Sox, Tim Anderson had two. He had one in the first off Savali and one in the second off Savali. He really liked facing Savali. Uh, you also had Eloy Jimenez with his ninth, and Luis Robert hit uh, all, well, all those came off of Savali, all four. This was an ugly game. Uh, the White Sox, I was kind of surprised they left everybody in. Uh, I also realized in my preview last night, I skipped DH. <laughs> yeah, now that I look at this, it's like, I never talked about Gavin Sheets. I wanted to talk about Gavin Sheets, uh, mostly because Gavin Sheets is someone I really like to wake. Uh, I gave him, I got to go look, but I, I believe like he ended up being essentially the second round grade and the White Sox popped him higher than most thought. I mean, they took him early second and he's worked his way up the ladder and, and turned into a productive hitter. It'd still be advantage Indians. That's one of the few things that could have helped them out. Uh, totally missed that yesterday. But Sheets is also the only guy they took out of the game. I thought they'd bench everyone, uh, let them rest up before game two, because the White Sox clinched the Central with the win. And this was fascinating. I had never... Uh, this fact that came out that with the win, that makes two years in a row the White Sox are going to make the postseason. For the first time in franchise history... They have never been in the postseason in back-to-back years, and that is a long-standing franchise. That is a franchise that has had a World Series uh, victory in the last 20 years and just a franchise that's been around for a long time, and they've never made it to the postseason in back-to-back years. Uh, congratulations to the front office. I've talked about in the past. Uh, I always kind of respect White Sox fans because there's your chip on the shoulder, if you're a South Sider as opposed to being a North Sider, 
there is the you know being the le- the secondary team in town. It's it you know it's the same reason I've always kind of appreciated Mets fans. I haven't felt a huge rivalry over the years with White Sox fans, and I've also talked about that the White Sox front office is one of the few that I've had um, contact with through the years, like direct, uh, indirect contact happens all the time. People love to to do that and, and say kind things and do this through, hey, tell this person, but the White Sox have said nice things about my writing in the past uh, directly, and I appreciate that. So I, I kind of dig the White Sox. And they built themselves a heck of a team, and it's a very good team. And yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about that one. If honestly, like I like, I grew up making trips to Detroit because you couldn't go to games locally, and I have a lot of family in Detroit and Michigan. So as a teenager, I probably saw more Indians games in Detroit at uh, Old Tiger Stadium than I did in Cleveland. Uh, that's just. You know how it was. You remember when the streak was happening. So I don't feel like I was when Detroit was really good there for a time. Like back when I was living in New York and they're signing all the free agents. I did. I did. Uh, I felt some rivalry. I did want to kind of see them fall flat on their face. I got very tired of the Tigers being really good. Uh, the Royals. I, I didn't want them to be successful just because I knew uh, as someone who wrote about the Indians, it was going to. Uh, everyone was going to be like, why can't the Indians replicate that? Uh, and then, but I've always loved that stadium. It's going to be sad that it sounds like the, I understand why the Royals want to move downtown. Uh, they're the, the football and baseball stadium are kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's attractive out there. Uh, it does allow for great tailgating, I'm sure, but it's, it's really out there. Uh, not really near anything, but that, you know, Coffin stadium is kind of a gem in my opinion. And that's the thing. Like, I go through this division. I do have some dislike for the Twins. I don't really have anything that ties me to them or makes me uh, like them. But the rest of this division, I'm like, oh, the Royals. Hey, it's that stadium. I mean, I like the stadium. I don't necessarily like the team. The Tigers, I have that natural. And then the White Sox. So I think, though, right now, if I had to pick someone else to win this division other than the Indians, it would be the White Sox. So I'm not not feeling too salty about the loss today and the White Sox clinching the division. Again, the Indians... Can't call it a disappointing year when three fifths of your rotation is hurt, like hurt and out, and you don't have access to. I think it is an incomplete year for a grade. We're gonna take a quick commercial break, then come back and talk about game two. So, Built Bar still has cookie dough on sale, it does not last long. This cookie dough chunk, so you want to go and put your order in now. If this is the type for you, if this is what you enjoy, cookie dough chunk is still available. The Built Balls, all gone. Uh, the strawberry bar is gone. Orange is still there, and I actually like the orange more than the strawberry, if I'm being honest. So right now, your uh, your specialty order, orange and cookie dough chunk over at BuiltBar.com. Why would you go put these order in? Because it's good for you, and it is the best tasting bar. I get so tired of food. Uh, it kind of drives my wife nuts, where it's like, I'll be really into something, and then I can't eat it anymore. It's been approaching two years and i am not tired of built bar it is that good it is that delicious when i go there i use the promo code lock 15 to save myself money uh it gets an a in my health food app it is filling it gives you energy it's gluten free you some have nuts some do not so double check that uh but there's a lot of things in there that are positive 15 grams of protein per bar go check out built bar for yourself today and as you know, when we get someone who's new as a sponsor, that, that always makes it a little bit more exciting for me. Slow is just right if you're on vacation, a sloth, or describing QuickBooks. More like slow books. 
It sucks you in and slows you down with manual processes, integration difficulties, and glitchy delays that leave you scrambling for the numbers you need. Now is the time to make the switch to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one financial system, because NetSuite gives you the visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. It's everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time, no matter how big your business grows. Failing to switch to NetSuite will leave you stuck trying to make sense of your books while your competitors sprint ahead. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control since switching to NetSuite. And right now, special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on right now. Get special financing at netsuite.com slash locked on. That's netsuite.com slash locked on. So we got the second game as a doubleheader uh, with the Indians and the White Sox. The very odd five-game series. And Cesar Hernandez, talk about a story of two different games. Uh, he went three for three while batting ninth in the first one. Moves up to the top of the lineup. Now this was a very heavy backup game. Uh, for the White Sox in general in terms of who is playing. But still, he moves up to the top of the order, promptly goes over 4. Uh, you go through this team. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, I hadn't realized, was activated from the disabled list. Very odd to see him playing third base. Uh, maybe that's something I've missed that he's done more this year. He was like a first base only in college, so it's just striking to me that they've they've moved him all over uh, the, the, in, the infield, the outfield. Uh, they had Michael Kopech start technically and I mean he was great but it's more of the bullpen by committee approach Zach Plesak started for the Indians uh Brian Shaw got a blown save I assume that's what the little b here means uh for his even though he didn't give up a run because of when he came into the game and what occurred uh and we'll get into that and then uh class a not his best performance either uh he had and I know you can look at it and be like, but it was an unearned run. Yeah, it was an unearned run, but there's a lot occurring, and you also don't expect him to give up three hits in an inning. But without further ado, let's talk about Zach Plesak. Five and one-third innings, six hits, two runs, one walk, 4K. When he is at his best, he is not giving up the long ball. He's also he's just not missing bats. I mean, the, the change in his strikeout rate from this year to last year if you want to know why he's, you know, it looks like he's regressing or why people are like he is not the same player he was a year ago when he was, I mean, the Indians had him start over, or were going to have him start over Savali in the playoffs. Savali would have been their fourth arm. Plesak was their third. They just didn't get to it uh, because they lost in two. Uh and, you know, you're hoping that what you saw last year in a very limited sample was what he was going to be, that this was going to be a step forward type of year for him. Unfortunately, it just hasn't been the case. Uh, he has been back end. He, in, he, that's kind of what the expectation was for a long time with him. I mean, let's be honest, though. He was a early day three pick uh, due to, and he had a lot of injury concerns and issues in uh, college at Ball State. And just, he never had that chance to ascend. We talked about how um, Eric Lauer has been this breakout for the Brewers, one of those guys who has played quite well for them. They finally kind of got him figured out, which was one of the hopes when they traded for him that he was going to be that guy. 
I, and I bring this up because Lauer and Plesak were like the combination in the Mac at the time. They were supposed to be these top uh, pitching prospects, both potential first rounders. And that happened for Lauer. It did not happen for Plesak. So let's go to the sixth. This is where things turn. Uh, you get a line out, a single, a single, a walk. Shaw comes in. He gets a ground out, uh, which the... And then after that, he gets a, uh, gives up a hit. And the White Sox get two across. And uh, Brian Goodwin is trying to uh, make his way from first to third and gets thrown out at third. So that, that's why Shaw gets the blown save. Because, I mean, he came in, and the the first out, I mean, that's solid. The second one, he gives up a hit that uh, leads to the two runs coming across. And then we'll come down to when Class A comes in and kind of what occurs here. So it's a single, a single, a single. Not how you want to start, by the way. Uh, the Indians have a one-run lead. Then a fielder's choice. Sheets scores on a fielding error by Chang. Uh, that gets a run across, but then, you know, there should have been an out recorded at that point in time. There was not. He gets the strikeout, gets the ground out, gets the pop out to keep it tied. It's actually a story of like two innings almost. It's one inning, but uh, just how bad it started to how perfect he had to be to tight rope it so they could get into the bottom of the seventh and have a walk-off win, a two-run home run by Oscar Mercado to win this one for the Indians. So when we go and we talk about who reached base twice in this game, uh, you have Framel Reyes, who had a hit and a walk, and then you have Yu Chen Chang, who had two hits, and you had Owen Miller, who had two hits, and then Ernie Clement, who also had a hit and a walk. Extra base hits, while Mercado had his sixth home run, and Owen Miller had his seventh double. Uh, in terms of scoring opportunities, the Indians had nine hits, and three walks, so that's 12 opportunities. Uh, there was a wild pitch. I don't often count those, but they got five runs on 12 opportunities. That's that's okay. It feels about right based on when we talk about these games and how we see these things often play out. The White Sox had 10 hits and only one walk, but there was an error, so they had 12 opportunities, three on 12. A little low, but not uh, unreasonable. At the end of the day, it just came down to home runs. One team had one, the other team did not, and that's what we see when there's a disparity uh, between amounts of opportunities of players on base. It's The home run ends up being how the other team wins, and the Indians get the win in this one today. Uh, I just realized they didn't do my three stars in the first game, so we'll have to go back and do that. But for game two, let's start here. Uh, you're going to give it to Plesak. Uh Two runs in five innings is, to me, a net win for your starter. I think that's rather easy to give it to him. I'm going to give it to Mercado on the walk-off home run. It's a walk-off. Gets a little more weight uh, in general. And then you, when you're going through and looking at the rest of this, you eliminate Chang for his error. Uh, and then if I'm looking at you know who reached base twice, because the bullpen, neither Shaw nor Class A really did their job, quote-unquote, so I think you have to instead give it to Owen Miller because he had the other extra base hit and he went two for three with that double. So that's that's your three stars. Owen Miller, Oscar Mercado, and Zach Plesak. Going back to game one here to talk about who should really get it. Uh, this is, 
you know, we discussed this game already, but I never did the three stars for this game. Uh, Bobby Bradley, because he had the home run and a walk. He was one of, I think, the only person to reach base twice. In no, Bradley Zimmer did as well, because I keep forgetting about the hit by pitch. But uh, I would give it to Bobby Bradley for the home run and the walk. Give it to Mejia and Allen, who both pitched, uh, you know, for Mejia it was two and a third innings. Uh, for Allen it was two innings, but they were able to combine for four and a third innings and not give up a run. So those are the two games. Uh, three more to go. It's kind of hard to believe, but yeah, three more to go in this White Sox series. Friday, very interesting. Shane Bieber's back. It has been a while since the Indians' ace was on the mound. We're going to take a quick commercial break, come back, and this third segment segment is going to be a bit hodgepodge. It's going to be why it stinks to be an American League team uh, when it comes to wild card and the postseason in general, and about an old friend alert who's going to be helping a division rival. One of our longest and oldest sponsors is BetOnline.ag, and normally this is where I'd go and tell you what the line is for Friday's game, but I don't blame them for not having a line on the Indians game on Friday. Uh, with the return of Shane Bieber and just the unknown of what he's going to be like after the time he has missed, uh, there is no line. You cannot go put money on that. But instead, you could go place uh, money on baseball, basketball, boxing, football, golf, martial arts, soccer, tennis. Let's click on other sports. Hockey, horse racing, Aussie rules, auto racing, cricket, cycling, darts, entertainment. Let's see what that is. Uh, Alien Attack, First Country. I, I don't know what that is. Is this a movie, maybe? Uh, alien human contact confirmed alien attack in 2021 you can bet on an alien attack uh, right now over at betonline.ag I had no idea aliens first abduction uh, that is a category you can bet on Boris Johnson or Jennifer Aniston Rosie O'Donnell Rupert Murdoch uh, who's going to win the next war I feel like there might be a joke I'm missing but hey right now in entertainment you can go bet on alien uh, attacks over at betonline.ag. That's how far they have you covered. That's how deep they go. Go check out betonline.ag for yourself. Remember to use the promo code locked on, or no, use the promo code right now, NFL100, to get 100% uh, match on your first deposit over at betonline.ag. It's time to get your TV together. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of your entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So, sorry, I'm still thrown off by the betonline.ag alien prop bets. I did not expect us to get into that on the show today. So currently the Indians uh, over at Tankathon are 15th, uh, would have the 15th pick if the season ended today. What's interesting is 14th are the Tigers. The Tigers are now just two games, or I'm sorry, just a game behind the Indians for second in the American League Central. They've run one four in a row, seven and three in their last 10. And the Indians are just two games ahead of the Padres. That's right. The Padres that everyone, you know, were anointing uh, before and during much of this season, the Indians who have lost three-fifths of the rotation for massive chunks of the season, are uh, just two games behind them. That, that's how things have ended up. Uh, we talked about the Mets. 
They've now uh, lost two in a row. They're two of their last eight. The Indians are four game or uh, two games up on the Mets and three games up on the Angels. Not what maybe if you had told me the Indians would be better than the Padres and Mets and Angels, uh, I would be like, playoffs, here we come. Now, if you told me that they were better than those three teams and that Bieber, Savali, and Plesak missed most of the, the year, I would, well, I don't know if you could say most of the year, but told me that they each missed multiple months, I would have been very, very, very confused. It would not have made much sense to me how that could happen. And I talked about earlier in the show that I wanted to point out why it is the American League teams get a raw deal. So when you look at these two leagues, uh, let's, I, I'm deba- we'll start with what's now. So right now, Atlanta would be in the postseason because the NL East is as bad as it is. And they'd be there uh, with, and also have the 19th pick in the draft. They are currently up two and a half games on the Phillies for that spot, for the right to be in the postseason. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals uh, have won 12 in a row, if you haven't been paying attention. They've been excellent of late. Uh, they, I believe, have the final wild card uh, kind of locked up in their hands. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Philadelphia has a better chance of catching Atlanta than they do St. Louis. So they would be picking 21st in the draft. Now you go over to the American League. Oakland, who, I mean, they have just not been the same team since the, the Bassett injury. Uh, I think understandably so, and that is a massive loss for them. Uh, they still have the would have the 20th pick in the draft, so they would still they wouldn't be in the postseason if they were in the National League, but they would be uh, a game and a half back. Seattle has a better record than St. Louis; they would be in the postseason in the National League. Toronto, who currently is on the outside looking in, uh, would have a two-game lead on the Cardinals for the National League. And if you think back to uh, 2019, where the Indians were facing the Nationals towards the end of the year, and there was still a slight chance the Indians could get in, uh, but they, you know, they got torched by the Nationals in that final series. Uh, they, the Nationals, ended up picking before the Indians. That was the year the Nationals won the World Series, but they ended up having the uh, getting the draft first because they actually had a worse record. They were able to make the postseason. So this now makes you know a few years in a row that. The team with the lesser record is able to get in in the National League versus those teams in the American League. And when you look at it, yeah, the Dodgers spend a lot. But who else is that National? I mean, the the Cubs, for all of their stars, it's not like they spent a lot. They didn't even keep their stars. They just went and traded everyone away. Uh, the Nationals can go out there sometimes and, you know, sign a big-name free agent. Uh, that's where Scherzer and Patrick Corbin and the like uh, ended up going. But it's not the same level of having the Angels, having the Yankees, having the Red Sox. There's more of a murderer's row in the American League than the National League. And yes, I say this with the two best records in baseball, both belonging uh, to teams in the National League. The Dodgers are two wins away from 100. The Giants are one win away from 100. But still, it's, it seems like it is a much easier path. Not much, but it is an easier path to the postseason if you are a uh, National League team. That's just the truth of it. Now let's talk about the other interesting news of the day that old friend alert Ryan Garko uh, closed his Fangraphs page. I was going to discuss his uh, his play with the Indians. I remember talking with my buddy Andy Clayman, name dropping, uh, another former blogger you might know. Uh, we were talking about how he could be a mini pronk. Oh, 
I can I can still remember it. it was just Garko kind of falling apart was a it was heartbreaking. I really enjoyed everything about Ryan Garko coming up because he was that guy, you know, for my age. Like he was one of those under the radar prospects. Like he was one of those guys. I just looked at his performance as he moved through the minors, and I was like, okay, I, I like this guy. This is a guy. This isn't you know my first go deep. That was Bartolo Colon, or as my father and I, for everyone who uh, out there who has not heard this story. Uh, this should make perfect sense because you know my pronunciation issues. But my dad and I'd be like, "Who's this Colin guy who's doing so well in high A? He's got like an ERA of one eight nine. I'm gonna go look up if it was. I would think, man, is my memory? I can't remember like to move things from the uh, the washer to the dryer sometimes at night. But I might remember that Bartolo Colon had an ERA in the one point eights when he was. Uh, in the minor leagues, uh, when he was in A ball, let's see if one nine six. I was close. Nineteen ninety five. I would have been fourteen then. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the stuff I remember. Cologne was the first guy, but Garko was someone that I was digging into. I was paying attention to his numbers and performance. I wanted to grab his FanGraph stuff, but they don't have his minor league data popping up when I click to see it. So we'll instead bring up his uh, his numbers back in the day when he was coming up through the Indians minor league system. And it was at Akron, you know, it's a double a, uh, it's always been double a, but, uh, that year he hit 331, 397 on base, 523 slugging, 15 doubles, only six home runs. He was never a big power guy. That was his biggest downfall as a, uh, first baseman. Next year he gets up to triple a age 24. So at each stop, he's young ish for the levels, 303, 384, 498, he has a minor league batting average of 284. Uh, and I think some of that, too, is just, yeah, he had, like, a bad year in Texas in 2010 when he tried to make a comeback. Uh, and then there were some struggles, like, 20, 2006 uh, as well. So, I mean, still, he, he was exceptional, very solid bat in the minors. But that first, after getting drafted in... 2003 as a third round pick i mean he 2004 he spent time in high a low a no high a double a and triple a all in 2004 2005 he starts the year in triple a tears the roof off of it and then in 2005 he gets the majors for one at bat with cleveland and then stays there in 2006 and from there it's i mean you look at the the data in 2006, a 116 runs created plus. Next year is a 124 in 2007, a 102 in 2008, a 105 in 2009, which is the year they let go of him. Uh, he was still about a league average bat. Uh, defensively, he was a disaster. He's a DH all the way. That was part of his problem. Didn't have enough power, and the power was declining, but I enjoyed Garko and his time. And he had been with, I want to say, the Angels. Um, and now he's going to go to the Tigers and be vice president of player development. And Al Avila, the GM, said it is the second most important job to the GM position as we move forward. So that's, they're saying that this is essentially, he's making Ryan Garko, who's now 40, uh, his number two. And maybe that's why I enjoy Garko. And now i got to see how close he and I are in age. He's a little bit older, but just a little bit Uh you know, we're both born in 81. I can give that in. 
if anyone did the math, it wouldn't have been that hard to figure out from earlier stuff. But yeah, Garko is my age, uh, had his time in the majors, and now he's the number two in Detroit. He was with the Los Angeles Angels for the past two years as a coaching assistant and instant replay coordinator, focusing on the use of analytics in the clubhouse and dugout for game planning strategies on offense. So yeah, it, I think it's a good hire. I, I'll be honest, I think it is a good hire uh, by uh, the Tigers. I think this is a smart move. Uh, he was a head coach at the University of Pacific. Then he managed a double-A Tulsa. Uh, worked under you know all the people who were now in charge of the Dodgers and the Giants because that's where uh, Farhan Zahidi came up. And uh, back in 2013 is when he kind of started this path when baseball just wasn't coming together when he was an assistant at uh, Stanford, his alma mater. So, yeah, good on Ryan Garko. I always had a, a special place in my heart for him. I am going to, I don't know if I can necessarily wish him well, but I, I wish him some degree of success. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Needs Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It really helps our little show grow. Let's break the top 100 baseball podcasts. Let's break the top 10 baseball podcasts on Scout. We can do it. Uh, I know we can. Again, thank you all for listening and for being the kindest group of fans one could have. And for the next year, go Tribe. After that, go, go Guardians, go.